you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. In our midst. I, I want to share something with you that I believe that God laid on my heart. And I, I've just been hearing uh, different reports of people saying that the devil's been attacking me. How many can lift your hands and say, I've been attacked this week? Mm-hmm. Somebody said, Spencer said he has two hands up. The devil's been attacking. The devil's fighting. And that's just how he works. When God begins to move, the devil begins to fight. And when we begin to do things for the Lord, the devil begins to fight us. Can I get a witness tonight? And... He seems to throw everything that he can throw at us. And uh, how many will just be real in this place that sometimes in our flesh we feel like throwing in the towel? Come on, I know that some of you come through this awakening thinking that, or before pre-awakening, let me, let me start here, pre-awakening praying that God would use you in a mighty way and that God would unlock some things in you and that God would unlock the miraculous in you. And now that we've gone through the awakening and God has begun to do that, it was, a, it was a high for us. But now that we are past the revival services and we're facing devils and we're facing hardships and trials, how many would say, I don't raise your hand, but I know that there's some in this people or in this place that have, are saying that I wish that I had not prayed for that. If I had known what was going to happen, then I wouldn't have prayed. I, I guess I'm the only real person in here tonight. I want to draw your attention to First Peter chapter 5. Read two very familiar verses of Scripture into your hearing tonight. And I, I'm just I'm going to preface by saying that I'm glad that when the enemy comes in like a flood. Have any Bible scholars here tonight? When the enemy comes in like a flood, how many can finish it tonight? The Lord will raise up a standard. So tonight I want to talk on those lines. First Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse number 8. And the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, everybody say, my adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, 
knowing that the time, the same afflictions rather, are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Everybody say, my adversary, the devil. And for the next few moments tonight, I want to speak to you. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to control myself tonight, okay? I'm not going to make any promises. I, I was studying, and I was starting to have a little Jesus fit uh, today and uh, because God just began to speak to me and to deal with me. And I, I'm one uh, that have raised their hand in here tonight and, and say that I've been fought. I have been attacked. And... Uh, and so in study and prayer and preparation for today, God began to speak to me and to reveal some things to me. Although maybe simple to some, it was revelatory for me. And uh, so if I speak to anybody tonight, I'm speaking to myself. But I want to speak to you on this subject, the secret that Satan doesn't want you to know. The secret that Satan doesn't want you to know. It's not uh, any news to us that the world that we are living in is in perilous times and that we are facing things that we have never had to face before. Uh, you hear reports on the news daily of, of tragedies that are taking place and violence and, and uh, wars and rumors of wars that are going on in our world, and it doesn't take a Bible scholar to know that we are living in the last days. And I feel that where we are living at, I feel that we are living in a day of desensitization, where we are becoming desensitized to things that are evil. You see, there's this, we were sitting at, at a table last night, and uh, Eating, celebrating Sister Jordan's birthday, her 85th birthday. Everybody give her a hand. Okay. We tried to pull on that trick yesterday, too. So. But I, I was sitting uh, across from Brother Spencer, and uh, he was sharing with us uh, at the table uh, some things that he had studied and some things that he had read. And I asked if I could share this portion tonight, and he he obliged, but there is a, a, um, there is a, what's the word I'm looking for tonight? There is a form called, there's a thing called conditioning. Let's, let me start there. And it's used most, mostly in marketing, uh, but conditioning um, can go in a wide, vari wide variety of areas, and we can condition in our families, we can condition in our homes, and I'll, and I'll tell you what I'm talking about. But conditioning is, is simply uh, transferring or forcing your beliefs on someone by putting little plugs or little tidbits before them continually. So marketing uses uh, this tool of conditioning in the way that we advertise. And they, they're constantly... If you, if you watch uh, programs on the TV and, and advertisement, there's constantly tidbits that are placed in front of you to get your mind to focus on one area. And so, they, so uh, these manufacturers of products will, will 
put tidbits in front of you of what their product accomplishes, and it, it will cause you, uh, when you think about those things, when you think about that certain uh, area that that product fulfills, you will automatically think of that product. And this, this is very true for uh, the way that we raise our kids. We raise our kids, we, we, we tell them how we want them to think. All right, how, how we think or how we present things as parents in our homes will form our child's thought process. And if we want them, uh, very simply, if we want them to love the things of God, if we want them to love the things of the church, then in our home we will constantly, in a positive manner, put the things of God in their, in their view or in their forefront, or we will bring them like we do service after service. We'll bring them to the house of God, and we'll teach them why we worship and why, why we do what we do and why we praise God and why we live for God. They even use this, uh, this tool called conditioning uh, for prisoners of war. In war times, they, have, they, they found that they can take a prisoner of war and they can force them to watch uh, negative propaganda toward their own country day after day and force them to sit and watch it and some would even turn against their own country by conditioning their way of thinking. And if you don't think that that exists today, then you're sorely mistaken because our children attend schools where teachers can force anti-God agendas and thought processes through what they teach in the classroom. I heard of one uh, associated with the church that, that, uh, that a teacher just here recently uh, sent home homework that was very anti uh, a Christian stance. I'm just going to leave it at that. But they teach, they try to desensitize our kids. They teach them about alternative lifestyles. They teach them that it's okay if you feel this way. It's okay if you find attraction to the same sex. And I think I can talk about this tonight because it's just mainly us adults in here. But our kids are being conditioned whether we like it or not or whether we agree with it or not day in and day out. Not only at school, but the things that they notice and the things that they see take place in our world. We become desensitized or we become conditioned with what we watch on the TV or in movies. Whether you realize it or not, there's an agenda that's being pushed by Hollywood and by the liberal media in Hollywood and associated with Hollywood that would try to condition us to take on their way of thinking. And that's what we're facing in this world. And I want to tell you that the goal of the enemy Though he is full of pride, I don't want you to mistake that. Though he's full of pride and though he has done his best to exalt himself to be equal with God and though his arrogance knows no bounds, he is perfectly willing to make himself non-threatening. In fact, if he could make himself a non-entity, in the minds of most people. I'm, I'm going to deal with some very real subjects with you tonight. But if he could just somehow fade into the background and make himself a non-entity in the minds of most people, he would be perfectly satisfied with that. 
if he could take every one of his manifestations and every one of his weapons and his tools that he uses, and if he could somehow take those and sanitize them so that society would no longer be alarmed by his presence and would no longer recognize him as a threat at all, if he could just get us to doubt that he even exists, he would be very happy with that. If Satan could use Hollywood to pass off witches and goblins, if Hollywood could pass off sorcery and witchcraft, if you don't think that they're doing that, you need to start watching what your kids are watching, what your grandkids are watching. But if they can pass off witchcraft and sorcery as just a child's charade or as a dress-up party, if it's only an innocent pastime, then the devil would be perfectly satisfied if that was all that he was thought of. In fact, he has mounted a campaign over the years to desensitize mankind. And let me say, he's even tried to desensitize the church. I'm going to be very real with you tonight. There was a time when everyone accepted the truth that there was a devil, but not so much anymore. Satan's ultimate strategy is to convince the world not only that his ways are innocent and not harmful, but if he can, he would like to convince the world not only in their innocence, but he would like to convince them of their goodness. Abortion. Alternative lifestyles. Pornography. Gambling are all innocent. That's the world that we live in. In fact, some would even say that some of these would be a blessing to society. And a mother who was able to rid herself of an unwanted child. This is what the enemy would like to convince us of, that these are perfectly normal and acceptable. Satan is certainly not above transforming himself. For we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15, For such are false apostles. Listen, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed, as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Hear me tonight. If we are not careful in this society of extreme tolerance, where everything is fine and acceptable, live any way that you want to live, do anything that you want to do, we must be careful not to overlook the fact that if this book is true, 
and I believe it is. I believe it is. If this book is literally the Word of God, and I believe that it is, then as sure as there is a God in heaven, there is a devil at work in this world, and he is a deceiver who is out to destroy as many as he can destroy. And the Bible says that he is seeking such whom he may devour. Causes me to stop and ponder. I wonder if Satan's lying and deceitful ways were not already in work in the days of the apostle Peter when he penned these words to a church that should have already have known. But when he said, be sober and be vigilant, he said, be careful be always watching. Watch out for the things that are around you. Watch out for your life. Watch your life. Watch what is happening around you. Watch your commitments. Watch what you think is important. Watch what you give your time to. These words ring true for the church today. Watch what you give your time to. Watch the friends that you surround yourself with. Because you have an adversary. And make no mistake about it, he is against you. He, like a roaring lion, is seeking whom he may devour. I tell you tonight that there is a devil. And he is alive. And he is real. And he is at work in our society. He is not a figment of your imagination. He is not something that Hollywood has depicted as a fictional character. He is not fictitious. He knows you and he is against you. He is your adversary and he is a very powerful enemy. The world would like to cause us to think it's a fictitious character. The world would like us to think that he is of no threat to us. His evil influence is at work in our lives and in our world today. Listen, every abused child, every battered wife, every broken relationship, that's his handiwork. Every school shooting, every innocent child whose life is taken way before it should be, every parent that tonight lays on their pillow and they cry tears for their child who was killed just a couple of weeks ago, whom they'll never see again, they'll never be able to watch grow up, a dad that will never be able to walk his daughter down the aisle and give her away in marriage, every school shooting, every murder, Every robbery, every hungry child tonight, every hospital, every funeral home, every cemetery makes is a, is a mute testament to his power in our world. See, we like, to, we like to gather together and say that the devil and the enemy is not powerful. And if we say that, we're very much mistaken. He is powerful. He's a powerful adversary. Every broken heart, every tear that falls, every hopeless cry in the darkness of night is testimony 
to the power of our adversary. But what I want to tell you tonight, and what I want to cause you to think and to realize tonight, that in this world, with this adversary, and with everything that we face, we must not be lulled to sleep and allow his ways to be sanitized by a worldly society. We must not come to the conclusion that there is no devil and that he is not against me. He cannot be because I don't see him or I don't feel him and I certainly don't hear him. But I'm here tonight to tell you that he does exist. And he is an adversary to every child of God. He's an adversary to every home. He's an adversary to every godly marriage. He's, every, he's an adversary to every godly man, woman, child, boy, girl. Does not matter. He is an adversary to those who live and serve God. The Bible gives him so many names. and Each are an expression of his manifestations or his methods rather. And one that I want to bring to your attention tonight is that the Bible just simply calls him an adversary or an accuser of the brethren. See, he plants a seed of criticism and fault finding. He loves division in the church. He loves when he can cause brothers and sisters in Christ to be divided and to backbite and to talk about one another and to run each other down or, 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 or to, to act ways by them when we see them. And put, anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? He loves when there's division amongst the church. If he can destroy our unity of purpose and our love for God, then he's got us right where he wants us. He's the father of lies. He's a deceiver. He's a destroyer. He is the God of this world, and He is the prince and the power of the air. No wonder Peter described Him as a roaring lion, proud and haughty in His power. He was simply, He is simply a killing machine. No wonder Peter referred to Him. I've heard it said, and I don't want to mess with anybody's theology tonight, but I'm speaking for myself. I've heard it said, and I've heard it preached, that roaring lions are not the ones that you have to worry about. I've heard it said that roaring lions are roaring because they have no teeth and they have no way to harm you. But I submit that this is exactly the lie that the enemy wants us to believe. You see, roaring lions are lions who are convinced of their power. They're convinced of their awesome ability. They have been known to roar. In my study, I found this out. They have been known to roar in approaching watering holes, as if giving their adversary a sporting chance before they run them down and destroy them. Lions are powerful. They are nature's most deadly killing machine. It is said that the average male lion weighs between 350 to 500 pounds. He stands three and a half feet tall, and he is nine foot long. I can see clearly, or he can see rather clearly 
in the pitch black of night. He can run 35 miles per hour, mile after mile after mile. He can run down, leap up on, break the spine of, and drag away a 600-pound zebra. And he is against you. The Bible says, as a roaring lion. Don't make the mistake of thinking that your enemy, that your adversary is powerless. He's powerful. He's much more powerful than we in our flesh. I wish I I should have got a great big amen tonight. The Bible calls him a roaring lion. See, he knows that you're here tonight. He knows what you've been through this week. He knows your battle weary and you're weak from the fight. He knows you've been wounded in your spirit. He knows you've been struggling with questions, with doubt, and with confusion. He knows and is waiting for you just outside of this building wanting to destroy you. Wanting to snuff your life out from underneath you. But if you will make up in your mind tonight, I'm not trying to paint a picture of gloom and despair, but I want you to know the adversary that we're fighting. I want you to know the ways that he works on us with doubt and confusion and Disunity. If he can just, if he can just creep in into these areas of our life, if now that the awakening is over, if he can cause you to believe that this trial or this test that you're in is not worth the fight, if he can cause you, brother Kevin, to say, "I wish that I hadn't prayed for God to use me in that area." If he can cause you to say, I mean, it felt good that service, but I don't know if God really healed my body. If he can cause you to become confused, not knowing whether or not that God really moved in your situation. That's what he is trying to do. That's what he wants to do now that all the hype is over. Now that all the revival service is over, now that we're not necessarily on that same high that we were a week ago, but now that we've settled into real life and now that the problems have returned and now that the symptoms, some of the symptoms have returned, we think that it didn't really happen for us. That's the way that he wants to try to get at you. That's the way that he wants to steal, to kill, and destroy you. But if you will just make up in your mind that, that, that you understand that you have an enemy and that you do understand that he is out to seek you, but there is a way that we can defeat the enemy once and for all. There is a secret that he doesn't want you to know tonight. There's something in Scripture that he he doesn't care. He doesn't care if you pick this book up and you read it day after day, all day long. He really doesn't care. But he is terrified that you might run across his secret. He's terrified 
that you would, in Scripture and study and reading, that you will find a way, or you could find the way that you can defeat the adversary in your life. You see, he is weak. He does have weaknesses, and there is a way to overcome the adversary. If we walked out of this building tonight, and heaven help us, but if we walked out of this building tonight to find a lion on the loose in our parking lot, I'm throwing somebody in front of me. If there was a lion in the parking lot, go with me here for just a moment. With razor-sharp claws, powerful jaws and sharp teeth, and rippling muscles all over his body, we would run back inside and be content to start service up all over again all night if that's what it took until somebody came and captured the lion. Because besides our common sense, we wouldn't trust that we could get to our car because he can outrun you. Or you, you wouldn't trust that if he overcame you, that you could somehow overpower him and escape because he is stronger than you are. Or you wouldn't trust that somehow you could dodge when he made that fatal leap because he's quicker than you are. You know, you couldn't stand against him because you know enough about him that you understand that he is a killer and that he is powerful and that he has no mercy. He doesn't care what your last name is. He doesn't care how long you've been serving the Lord. He doesn't care how powerful that you are in the Spirit. He doesn't care what your pedigree is. He doesn't care what side of the tracks you live on. He doesn't care necessarily what church you attend. But all he wants to do is he wants to destroy you. He is out to see whom he can devour. He loves to oppress. He loves the oppression that he brings in people's lives and brings and brought to the heart of, of that one who may be sitting in this very building tonight when you got the call or you got the letter in the mail. He loves the fact that he has become, calls you to become oppressed and, to de- and become depressed. He loves the fact that he has robbed you of your joy. He loves the fact that he has taken your desire to pray. And he's very proud of that. He's very proud and he loves that he has taken your worship and he glories in that because he is seeking whom he may devour. Tonight, I described some things and I know that in a, in a, in a, a crowd this size tonight, on Wednesday night, one of our down crowds as we would call it, 
there are those in here tonight that are oppressed. Sickness. Ruined relationship. There are those here tonight that God has stolen your joy. You can't, you can't be joyous in coming to the house of God anymore. You come, you come because it's what you do. And you come service after service hoping that at some point you will find your joy again. And there are those that are here that are just heartbroken due to circumstances in your life that are beyond your control. Due to children who have walked away from God or family members who are living in ways that you thought they would never live. There are people in this house tonight that are going to go home and you're going to lay down on a pillow and you're going to cry yourself to sleep tonight. And there are some maybe that may even be facing suicidal thoughts in your mind. And your enemy, your adversary, is delighted at all of these things. He loves the fact, he loves the fact that he can cause you to have a sleepless night. He loves the fact that he can cause you to question God as to why. And he really loves the fact if he can cause you to blame God for why. Or if he can cause you to be able to blame the church as to why. And he loves the fact that he can have you be depressed to the point that when you get up in the morning, all you want to do is lay back down and pull the covers up over your head. And you just you want to stay in bed because you don't want to get up and face what you may have to face tomorrow. The very real adversary, the very real things that you are feeling and facing. And he's a he 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 keeps launching these things at you and he keeps these things in front of your mind and he he keeps you wants to keep you rather in this way of thinking and this depression and this oppression. He wants to keep you in a place that you just continue to cry yourself to sleep or that you lose sleep altogether. Because to him, it really doesn't make any difference if he can just cause you to be in that place that he wants you to be. If he can just cause depression, if he can just cause oppression, if he can just cause that lack of joy, if he can just rob those things from you, then he has accomplished what he has set out to accomplish. And we think that it stops there. We think that it stops with our joy. We think that it stops with the sleepless nights. And we think that it stops with our children not living for God. But I want to submit to you tonight that he's not satisfied with you just not having joy in your life. He's not completely satisfied that he's got your kids where he wants your kids. He's not satisfied that you just have a, a, a month or a year or two years of sleepless night. But his ultimate plan, his ultimate strategy is to destroy your life. 
His ultimate goal is to take your life from you. If he could somehow finagle his way in and completely destroy your life and completely cause you to turn your back on God and to walk away from God, that's what he wants to do in your life. Listen, it's not a fairy tale. It's not some way for a preacher just to get an amen out of you. But it's very real. It's not just a a depicted character in a Hollywood movie. It's your adversary, the devil, who is seeking you to devour you and to kill you and to destroy your He roars out his defiance against the church of the living God. And he roars out his defiance against the children of the living God. And I've come to tell you that despite all of the roaring and despite all of the intimidation, because we do get intimidated, And despite the big front that he puts on, and he wants us to see and to believe, he does have a fatal weakness that he desperately wants to keep a secret from you. He doesn't want you to know that there is something about him that is his Achilles heel or his weakness in spite of his overall strength. He doesn't want you to know what it is. Because if you knew it, you could exploit it. And you could destroy him every time he reared his ugly head in your face. If you knew how to do it. If you knew how to defeat him then you wouldn't have to fool with him anymore. If you knew how to do it, you could survive any encounter with your enemy. He has a secret, and his secret is his weakness. In reality, that mighty lion with rippling muscles And sharp teeth is weaker than the weakest Christian. If you can grasp his secret, you need never fear your enemy again. His power will forever be broken in your life. If you can get a hold of the truth of his weakness and apply it in your very own life, You need to never fear losing out with God again. And we find this secret as simple as it sounds tonight in James chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist. Everybody say resist. The devil and he will flee from you. So elementary, seems so simple, but we forget it time and time again. We allow him 
in our lives time and time again. We allow his weapons to intimidate us. And we allow his weapons to cause us to have sleepless nights time and time again. Listen, the enemy cannot come into your life unless you open the door for him to come in. But time, Scott, time and time again, we allow it to happen. We allow those things to creep in and we allow those things to come into our home. And, and need I say, we, we bring those things sometimes into our home. This scripture tells me something. And it tells me that the devil doesn't, tells me that it's something that the devil doesn't want me to know. While the devil has great strength and packs a mean punch, he's only good for the first few rounds. He has no stamina. He has no staying power. The devil cannot go the distance with a child of God who will exploit his weakness. That means that when I'm under attack, all I have to do is hold on. All I have to do is take his best shot, stay on my feet and keep moving and keep dodging and keep ducking. Because if I'll just stay on my feet, and if I'll just stay on my feet and I continue to fight, then in the end, I'll win. See, if I don't, if I just don't quit, if I... If I just don't give up, I'll, I'll, I'll win the fight. If, if when he knocks me down, and this is what I want to tell somebody tonight, if when he knocks me down or if when he knocks you down, if you or I will just get back up sooner or later, he has to give in. He doesn't have the stability. He, and it, because my Bible tells me that if I continue to resist him, if I... Continue to get knocked down, but I continue to get back up. If I just keep fighting, if I just keep coming to church, if I just keep praying when I don't feel like praying, if I just keep worshiping when I don't feel like worshiping, when I keep, when I keep, the things of the church and the things of God at the center focal point of my life when I don't feel like it. If I, if I keep walking with God when I feel like throwing in the towel. And sooner or later, when I keep that resistance up, sooner or later after round one or after round two or maybe it's round three, at some point, his stamina is going to get depleted. And if I keep fighting, if I keep taking punch after punch after punch, there's something about a fight. When, it, when two fighters, two boxers go into the ring, when there's one that's a little eager, a little more eager than the rest, and he keeps throwing punch after punch after punch, there's a, there is a, a plan or an objective to the, to the other boxer, and that is 
to keep letting him throw the punch and to do his best to dodge every punch that he throws. Does that mean that he won't land a good one every now and then? Does that mean that that dude's not going to wake up tomorrow morning looking like he had a one, one head-on collision with a freight train? Does that mean that he's not going to have his nose bloodied? This is not what it means at all. But he knows that if that guy comes out at the bell and he's wanting to throw every punch that he can as fast as he can and as violent as he can, and he knows that if he can just keep dodging and if he can just move around, if he can keep his footwork up and just and, and, and dodge and stay away from him, then sooner or later, it may not be round one, it may not be round two, but at the end of some round, he's going to expel all of his energy. And then there's going to be a moment when that energy is depleted and that boxer is no longer throwing punches and he's trying to do everything he can to defend himself. And there's going to be a moment, there's going to be a window of opportunity when those gloves drop. And that dude that's been dodging all day, that dude that has taken a punch in the throat, that guy that has had his nose split open, or that guy that looks like he has a head of cauliflower on the side of his head. He's going to have all of his strength and all of his stamina left. And as soon as that guy's gloves drop, he's going to move in and he is going to do his best to land a shot in that, that joker's face that will just take him out of the fight altogether. It's the same thing that when we are fighting the enemy. As trivial as that may sound, if we can just keep dodging, if we can just, if we can just keep our footwork up, if we could just, we just stay on our feet, whatever we have to do, there is going to be a point that his stamina is gone and depleted. He has thrown everything at you that he can possibly throw at you. He's tried every attack. He's tried to attack you from every angle. He's went after your family. He's went after your loved ones. He's gone after your friends. And there's going to be a time that after all those attacks, he's going to have no energy left. And if you're standing on your feet, there's going to be a window of opportunity. There's going to be a moment where you're going to land the, the, the knockout blow in his face. And God's going to give you the strength to overcome your adversary. But it'll never happen if you throw in the towel. It'll never happen if you tap out. It'll never happen if you say, that's it, I've had all I want, I'm getting out of the ring. I prayed for God, that you would use me in that area. And there's attacks that have come along with it. And there are, are things that, that have happened and it caused you to become discouraged. And you just say, you know what, I, I don't really want to deal with that anymore. I don't want my family attacked. I don't want my kids attacked. And it, it'll never happen if you just throw in the towel and walk away because it got tough. Or you, you, you threw in the towel and you walked away because you don't have a, enough Holy Ghost to take a punch. Resist him, and he will flee. I'm quickly, I'm hurrying, time's getting away. The devil's secret is that he's 
really is more like a paper lion in all reality. Here he comes roaring and swiping with his claws. And the first hit, though, the first hit is, is bad most times. Or the first swipe might draw blood, but remind him that, the, that greater is he that is in you. Greater is the one that dwells inside of you. Because at the mention of the name of Jesus, he cowers. You know, some, Brother Nichols told me something when he was here, and I, I didn't know this. And he very mighty in the spirit, and he, he's talked about the different spirits that he has faced in his own church. And he said, he said, bro, they, the enemy puts on a good front. And there are those that come that are tormented, and they come, they want to make a scene. They want to, they want to disrupt. And so those are the ones that act all indignant. And, and he said, he said, that's, you know, he said, I, I hate when those show up, but he said they do. He said, but the real reality is, he said, is that most of them, most of the spirits are cowards. He said, they want to put on a big front, but the moment that you call them out and you speak to them, he said, I've, I've had people come to my church that have been tormented with spirits, and he said, I looked at them and I called the spirit out, and said, I watched them duck and hide their face. He said, because it's that spirit that's cowering, cowering to the name of Jesus. Listen, he's, he cowers at the name of Jesus. Do you know why he does that? Because he knows he has no power against the name of Jesus. He has no power against what's inside of you. If you've got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you, then you can resist. You, can, you have the power to resist. You have the power to defeat. You have the, the power to overcome. You have the power to live at, at a level that he cannot harm you and that he cannot touch you. But it'll never happen. It'll never happen if we just lay down and accept defeat or accept, just say, this is my lot in life. Or this is just the way it's always going to be. This is why temptation comes so strong. Because he brings everything that he's got in the first attack. He comes at you with, as one president declared, a shock and awe. He comes at you with guns blazing. But if you resist the initial strike, the follow-up strike is a little weaker. And it's a little easier to resist. And if you resist the second and the third, the strikes that follow become weaker and weaker and weaker. It doesn't take much resistance until temptation leaves for good. And you wonder why or how, rather, you could have even been tempted with that in the beginning. The same is true about discouragement. 
it seems the heavens are shut up and it looks as though there's no answer. But if you just, if you can, if I could just talk you into holding on, if I could just talk you into, into keep praying and to, and to keep worshiping and to keep, just, just stay faithful to God and just stay faithful to the house of God. Just, just, stay, just stay faithful to the things of God. Read your Bible. Pray all. It may feel like, it may feel like that the heavens are shut. And it may feel like that God's nowhere around. And those are times that we all face. But if we'll just keep praying and we keep knowing or doing what we know to do. And if we, we just keep faithful to the things of God. Sooner or later, your adversary is going to get tired with the fight. He's going to get weary. And he's going to leave and he's going to say, I, I, I don't want any part of that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I have enough fight left in me. Because sooner or later, the sun comes out and you hardly remember what the gloom was all about. You see, the devil has to get you in the first rounds. But if you don't quit, if you don't, if you don't throw in the towel, if you don't tap out, if you don't lay down and just give up, you will win in the end. I, I, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm, I'm closing right now. But there's another name for the devil in the Bible that I want to draw your attention to. The Bible refers to him as Beelzebub. Beelzebub simply means Lord of the Flies. You see, a fly is a filthy, filthy thing. And I did not know until today in my study that flies can be very dangerous to humans. Because of the myriad of diseases that a fly can carry. Because of the things of because of the things that they eat, the things they walk on, the things they carry around with them. A fly is fast. Some flies' wings beat over two hundred times a second. The but you hear them buzzing because that is their wings beating the air around them. They are quick and they can detect movement in the air. That's why you take a fly swatter and you just go to town and you seem like you can't hit it because they can detect the movement in the air. And we, we're in our houses and people are looking in the windows of us going berserk with a fly swatter because there's one fly in the house. It happened to me today, by the way. I hope nobody was driving by on 28. But they can dodge potential threats due to their quickness. Flies are everywhere. And sometimes it seems that you can't get away from them. But something interesting is that a fly has a lifespan of 30 days. He's got to do everything that he can or everything that he needs to do in 30 days. He's got to spread all the disease he can in 30 days. He's got to annoy you all that he can in 30 days. Because in 30 days, 
he's belly up, whether it's become from a fly swatter or if it's just because he died of old age. He's finished in 30 days. He might be filthy and lonesome. He might spread disease and mayhem. He might be quick and he might be fast, but he doesn't have any endurance. He's only here a little while, and then he's gone. The Bible says that the devil is the Lord of the flies. He is filthy. He is quick. He's fast. And yes, he's powerful. And he sometimes seems to be everywhere around us. But all I've got to do is stand firm and resist the devil and submit myself to God. And sooner or later, he's out of the fight and I can move on and I can serve God. The devil is no match for faithfulness. You want to know how to deal with temptation? Just be faithful. You want to know how to deal with discouragement? Be faithful. You want to know how to overcome problems? Be faithful. Pray when you don't feel like praying. Worship when you don't feel like it. Be in church when you don't feel like it. The devil, the devil cannot withstand your faithfulness. Whatever it is that you've got to do, you just do it in spite of how you feel. I told somebody a couple of weeks ago, and I won't call them by name, but I said, hey, fake it until you make it. If you don't feel like it, you make everybody else around you think that you feel like it. If you don't feel like worshiping, you go ahead and worship, and nobody else around you knows that you're fighting all of hell, and all of hell has come against you. Just be faithful to the house and to the things of God. That's why the Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Say that with me. God is faithful. When He commits Himself, when He commits Himself to you, He will open a door. He will make a way of escape. I remember my grandfather quoting that scripture more times than I could ever begin to try to count. But God, he said, Danny, whatever it is that you go through in life, whatever it is that you face, trust God because he will make a way of escape for you. He told me time. He told me one time, he told me a thousand times, live for God, preach the truth, raise your family in church, take your kids to the house of God, instill in them the importance of the house of God and the things of God. He said, because there will be a time 
in their life. And he said, there will be a time in your life where you feel like throwing in the towel and you feel like you, you've taken all that you can take and you feel like that you can't go another round. You feel like that you can't take one more shot from the enemy. He said, in those times, he said, you may even get knocked down. But if you ever get knocked down, don't give the devil the satisfaction of staying there. But get up and look him in the face and ask him, is that your best shot? Is that all you got? Is that all you got? You better bring more against me because I got way more stay in my fight than you have punches to throw at me. Attack my family, come against my home, come against my relationships, but I refuse to throw in the towel. I refuse to give the enemy the satisfaction of me quitting and giving up in the fight. Stand with me right now. It doesn't matter how bad it gets or how tough it is, how long, how, how low you are. My Bible tells me He'll never leave me. You know how many times I've had to stand on that scripture in my life? times that I'm driving down the road and weeping because of situation or not knowing what I was going to do, not knowing where I was going to turn, not knowing what I would say if I were to ever just throw in the towel like I wanted to. How would I ever explain that to anybody. I felt like I was all alone in the fight. I'd have to pick up the Bible and I'd have to search through the pages until I found that scripture. I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I don't know about you tonight, but that, that gives me hope. That gives me Renewed vigor. That, that gives me renewed strength to fight. When I don't have any fight left in me. When I thought I thought I was done. And I thought that that next blow would just kill me. When I thought that, that I was going to find some way to throw in the towel that was just going to work. And I stand up on that scripture and it gave me a new passion. It gave me new strength. To just keep fighting. I, I want to tell somebody tonight, you may be at that place. You may be in that place right now and you feel like, I'm looking for a way out. I'm looking for, I'm looking for the exit ramp. I've been on this highway and it's, I've been on here too long and I just I want to throw in the towel. Just keep fighting. Just, just stand upon the word of God and just keep fighting knowing that he, he's, he's there fighting with you and that he will never leave you and he will, he'll never forsake you and that he'll always make a way of escape. If I can just resist the devil, my Bible tells me that he will flee from me. It's a secret that he doesn't want us to know. What a powerful scripture. What a powerful word of the Lord. Why don't you just lift your hands right now and just... Thank God for the way of escape that He has made. And thank God for that there is a way that we can overcome the attacks of the enemy. God, 
I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word that you've given us, God, that we can stand upon. I thank you for the scriptures that you've given us that tells us that you'll never leave us and that we can resist and he'll flee. God, I pray right now that you'd be with the one, God, that's struggling, that one that's weary tonight, the one that is just feeling like like they're, they're, they're going to throw in the towel. God, I pray that you would give them renewed hope, that you would give them a renewed fight in them, God, that would cause them to stand, though they've been knocked down time and time again, that they would get up and they would stand, and that they will fight and that they will resist the devil and that he will flee from them. God, I pray for every individual in this place, God, that you would protect, God, that you would guard, God, that you would build a hedge of protection around each each family, each individual, each home. God, go with, uh, go with us from this place, God, with a renewed passion, God, that we're going to fight. We're going to fight with everything that we've got because there's too much at stake to lose now. God, help us.